Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Hope you had a great weekend. We're glad you're with us for Good, Bad, and Crazy Martinis. Jim Garrity is still on spring break, though. Uh, I'm Greg Karamis. As usual. I am back, and that is the voice of Rob Long. He is a co-founder of Ricochet, contributing editor at National Review Online, host of the Martini Shot. So we are Martini brethren, even when he's not guest hosting uh, for Jim. <laughs> right. And uh, so, Rob, I was talking to you about this before we started, but... And our listeners know that I was gone for a couple of days uh, last week, but I don't travel by air a lot for for work. And there's a couple of things that I wanted to run past you because I know you travel more than I do. Um, first of all, uh, when you're boarding a plane, they don't do it from back of the plane forward anymore. They do it by groups. And I'm not sure how the groups are determined, but it means there's right. a massive backup on the jetway now as opposed to before because you got to wait for people in closer up seats to put all their stuff away. But my favorite part of the boarding process is how they have two rows that do exactly the same thing. The first four groups, because you're the first class, or you're the priority gold platinum right. medallion class, you get yes. to go in one lane that's a little bit closer to the counter. But if you're in the later boarding groups, you have to move at least six inches to the left and go into a different lane. And sometimes they'll like cordon off the one through four section lane. So the hoi polloi know that they are not in that category. But uh, Yes, for those of us who... Are you know platinum, gold, whatever frequent flyers? We that's the whole point. <laughs> that is the whole point, Greg. I it's not so much that I mean, we all we're all going to be in the same tube, but I just want you to know that I have high status. That's all it is. I want to be group one. You get to walk on the special mat. Yeah, yeah, I like that mat. So, so that's all the perks, all the perks that go along with it. But. Uh, yeah, good trip, but uh, but watching that and then also uh, having to save the seat between you in the boarding area uh, because of social distancing. But then, of course, while you're on the jetway, cramped because of uh, of the of the boarding <laughs> so group situation stupid. and how you're sitting next to people for however many hours you're on the flight, uh, literally rubbing elbows is is quite interesting to watch as well. I'm sure you've got some thoughts on this. But your mask, the most important thing is you're wearing your safety mask. <laughs> the safety mask is going to save you. It's going to save all of us. You just need to keep masking constantly. Oh, actually, I should, I'm, I'm making a joke here because the, the truth is that I think now I, I flew last week and I, I, I was I got a sense. I mean, I didn't ask of anybody, but everybody working there in on the plane and around the plane is like so tired of this. They're just like everybody else. And even I think even the person, the, the flight attendant making the announcement was like, please wear your mask. It's just the law and it's going to change in a week. We prompt, you know, and it is. <laughs> so the idea that somehow in two weeks. I guess April 18th, I think. Yeah. In two weeks, suddenly it's going to be safe. But April 17th, it's not safe. Is um, It's just that I think the absurdity of the crazy, you know, uh, safety COVID theater that we are all kind of um, we're all kind of done with. And you can tell we're done with it because there's a new variant uh, coming and people are like, I don't care. Let it come. I got the shot. I got another shot. I don't care. Like, stop. And, and you could just feel like nobody. We're just not going to play that game anymore, which I think is kind of a good sign. We're going to talk about a magical COVID policy change in the second martini today as well, unrelated <laughs> to air travel. Uh, but let's uh, let's first of all start with one of our fantastic sponsors today, and that is the phenomenal products from Moink. Now, the left doesn't want you to eat meat anymore. They think it's bad for the planet and all that stuff. They want you to eat 
veggie burgers and plant-based stuff. And, you know, if you're into that, that's fine. It's your choice. But don't feel bad about liking to eat meat because meat is great. 60% though of U.S. pork production comes from one company and it's owned by the Chinese. And their hogs are given something called ractopamine, which is banned in 160 countries, including China. Yet you find it in your grocery aisle every day. But there's a better way. Not only is it phenomenal meat, but the way it's produced is important too. And that's why we want you to know about Moink. That's moo plus oink. That equals moink. <laughs> that's great. Moink. Uh, moink delivers grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, and sustainable wild-caught Alaskan salmon straight to your door. Moink farmers farm like our grandparents did. And as a result, moink meat tastes like it should because the family farm, as you know, does it better. The moink difference is a difference you can taste and you can feel good knowing you're helping family farms stay financially independent too, but you get to choose meat delivered in every box like ribeyes, chicken breasts, pork chops, salmon fillets, and much, much more. And you can cancel anytime. I love the Moink box. I've gotten several of them now from Moink. The steaks are fantastic. I absolutely love the chicken and the pork, as we just mentioned a little bit earlier ago. The bacon is probably the best bacon I've ever had, and that is saying a lot. It's hard to not love bacon, and I do, and I think Moink is really the best that I've ever had. So I love getting my Moink box, and I know you will too. So keep American farming going by signing up at moinkbox.com slash martini right now. And listeners of this show will get free filet mignon in every order for a year. That's one year of the best filet mignon you'll ever taste, but only for a limited time. Spelled M-O-I-N-K box.com slash martini, moinkbox.com slash martini. All right, Rob, let's talk about our good martini today. And this one's got yeah. social media all abuzz, and it's about social media. That's because Elon Musk, who is pretty hard to put into a box these days, and you can't say that about a lot of people when it comes to their politics, has decided to spend billions of dollars on shares of Twitter. Bloomberg, with the story, Elon Musk took a 9.2% stake in Twitter, Inc., to become the platform's biggest shareholder a week after hinting he might shake up the social media industry. Twitter shares surged as much as 26% after Musk's purchase was revealed Monday in a regulatory filing, the stock's biggest intraday increase in more than four years. The stake is worth about $2.89 billion based on Friday's market close. Musk polled his more than 80 million followers on Twitter last month, asking them whether the company adheres to the principles of free speech. After more than 70% said no, he asked whether a new platform was needed and said he was giving serious thought to starting his own. So the announcement comes uh, just shortly after Jack Dorsey left, of course. We've got this new Twitter CEO, Parag Agrawal. And so people want to know what's going to happen. How's he going to shake up the board meetings, assuming he's allowed in and it's the largest shareholder? I assume he will be. So, Rob, will Twitter be more fair with what it considers appropriate speech? Will we get an actual even-handed um, presentation on Twitter? Or is this uh, going to be an expensive experiment and not changing much? I don't know. I, all I know for sure is it's going to be really, really interesting. Um, Elon Musk is probably the most interesting person on the planet. Uh, he's the richest guy. And, you know, for once, he's a rich guy because he built something, right? I mean, <laughs> he's not this sort of hedge fund financier, rich person making money on transactions and nonsense. This guy builds cars and trucks, plus puts things into space. You know, he's like a, you know, he's like, like, a, like Tom Swift or Tom Swift's dad, if, you, if you're old enough to remember those books. He's doing, he's inventor, he invents things. So, yeah, but he's also pretty smart, right? Because he thought, I think he probably just from reading that poll, he asked himself, look, I have unlimited funds, basically. 
I could start Twitter if I wanted to. I could start a new Twitter. But then you thought, why am I starting a new Twitter? Why don't I just buy the Twitter that exists, right? Why build what somebody else has built? Why don't I just take it over? I, I, I have no idea what the Twitter justifications are for their throttling of free and open speech. Uh, it, it may be a little bit of liability. It may be a little bit of their sort of liberal um, you know, inclinations, whatever. But I know that Elon Musk is going to demand answers, and he's going to get answers. And the thing about Elon Musk is he delivers. He wanted to build an electric car. He built an electric car. He wanted to go into space. He went into space. Um, these are all things that people said he couldn't do and couldn't happen. So I'm really super excited. What? It's going to be a, a much more interesting platform in place because Elon Musk owns it. Yeah, two closing thoughts here. First of all, do you think uh, with Elon Musk there, we can actually get stories like the Hunter Biden laptop one from not being spiked uh, a couple of weeks before an election? Well, yes, for sure. I mean, for <laughs> sure that will happen. I think that that will probably happen early on. But, you know, you never really I mean, you never really know if there was a lever that somebody pulled or if it was just an institutional bias, just that everyone there thinks the same way. So they don't even notice, you know, like they say, the fish don't know the water is wet. Uh, and just having another person there, having a challenging, brilliant you know, genius there, I think would be helpful. I mean, Elon Musk is never going to do something like go away for two months and have a like a, a silent retreat somewhere in the Himalayas. That's just not <laughs> his thing. Um, he's a practical guy with his sleeves rolled up and he wants to do stuff. Um, that alone, I think, will make Twitter a better place. Exit question, and probably the most important one. Which of these um, very prominent multi-billionaires do you think would make the best Bond villain? I still think it's Bezos, but you know, you got Branson, uh, Musk, I wouldn't put in that category, but obviously he's in the in the discussion probably. You know, all these guys who uh, like to dabble in yeah. space and, and all these other <laughs> cutting edge things. Who do you think who do you think fits the bill best? Well, the best one, I mean, the most successful one would be Elon Musk. I mean, he's the one you don't want to go to the dark side because he would probably be really effective. But it does seem like it's probably Jeff Bezos, right? Because Bezos is kind of into everything. And he's like deceptively kind of like, oh, I'm just Charles Shucks, just a nerd. What do I know? I would pick Bezos because I think it's he's a he's probably better in the story. But the one I think in real life would be Elon Musk. And, you know, there'd be a lot of people thinking, let him take over. He's, you know, it'll be interesting. Well, if you are worried about uh, a non-level playing field when it comes to free speech on social media, uh, with Elon Musk there, perhaps you can sleep a little easier. But if you want to sleep even better, uh, you want the fantastic products from MyPillow. That includes the pillows themselves, the Giza Dream Sheets, the mattress topper, walk around the house in the fantastic slippers. But there's also the fantastic MyPillow towel set. Nothing beats the feel of a luxurious towel when you step out of the shower. I love the MyPillow towels. They're big. They're soft. They're fluffy. They get you dry super quick. And right now, they've got a super deal. Towels regularly. This whole set at $109.99. You can get it for $39.99 a set. And here's what you get. You get the MyPillow six-piece towel set that's made with cotton grown in the U.S. Other towels may feel good but don't absorb, or they absorb but don't feel good. But every MyPillow towel is made from proprietary technology that makes them highly absorbent, but also soft to the touch without that creepy, lotiony feel. Every set you buy comes with two bath towels, two hand towels, and two washcloths available in a variety of colors and sizes. They're all machine washable. There's a 60-day money-back guarantee and a one-year limited warranty, which is pretty amazing for a towel. 
For a limited time, get the MyPillow 6-piece towel set, regularly $109.99 for only $39.99 with the promo code MARTINI. Visit MyPillow.com Martini or call 800-874-0104. You'll also find deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow mattress topper, MyPillow Giza Dream Sheets, and so much more. Get your six-piece MyPillow towel set for only $39.99 today at MyPillow.com Martini or call 800-874-0104. MyPillow.com Martini. Rob, let's move to our bad martini now. And the bad martini is that the Biden administration has decided that uh, come May 23rd, Title 42 is done. Title 42 was Donald Trump's remain in Mexico policy. While your asylum claim and uh, other claims are being evaluated and adjudicated, you don't get to come to the United States. You stay in Mexico, and therefore you don't just uh, slip off and get lost somewhere and never show up for a court date and that sort of thing. Seemed to be working quite well, in fact. The Mexicans were actually doing a very good job of helping us along with that. Well, the Biden administration has rolled back most of the uh, Trump border security policies. This was the one we definitely didn't want them to roll back, but come May 23rd, they're going to. And the reason, Rob, is, oh, because the pandemic is easing. Not the reason Title 42 was put on in the first place. That was there well before the pandemic, but uh, that was the excuse the Biden administration had for keeping it temporarily. But they're going to lift it. Uh, States are suing, at least three of them, Arizona, Louisiana, and Missouri. And we'll see what happens in court. But according to estimates, right now, there's about 7,000 illegals who come into the country each day. Rolling this back would be 18,000 per day. And so one of the attorneys general who is suing Biden is Mark Burnovich out in Arizona. And this is what he said to uh, Fox and Friends. If the Biden administration rescinds this policy, it will result in more than half a million people, it's estimated, to illegally cross our border in just one month. That's like the entire population of Baltimore, Atlanta, Georgia. So the system is already being overwhelmed. The cartels have seized control of the border. We see a record amount of fentanyl coming into this country. And now you're going to throw on top of that hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people just stretching thin our social and safety network and endangering our community. So Ainsley, I'm doing everything. I can to hold the Biden administration accountable and stop them from destroying our southern border. And the two Democrats who represent Arizona in the Senate, Mark Kelly and Kirsten Sinema, uh, publicly opposed to this very much as well, saying that the Biden administration is doing this with no plan in place uh, to to have a way to deal with the surge of humanity that's going to be coming to this border. So the question, Rob, is what plausible reason does this administration have for doing this? I don't know what the plausible reason is. It doesn't seem like it's smart politics. We know now, we, we really can say with, with, without any doubt that Hispanic immigrants to the United States will happily, especially in border counties, will happily vote for the Republican, even happily vote for an immigration hawk like Donald Trump. So there doesn't seem to be a political reason to do it. And there doesn't seem to be a COVID reason to do it either. It, it, it to me, it, what's baffling about it is this: the idea that you're going to take people. This is what happens: they get in planes and they fly them around the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea you're trying to turn every state into a border state, especially now, right, where you have a, a labor market that's getting tighter, which is good, and you have wages which are going up, which is good too. I mean, that's not a bad thing. We're, that's what we're supposed to be. Must be going for, so you're you know that you're go, that whenever that happens in the United States, you do have this sort of vacuum effect where 
where waves of illegal immigrants cross the border to get jobs. You could bet on it. It's it's like the sun rising. It happened in the 90s. It happens anytime the economy heats up, which it is kind of heating up now, and uh, wages are going up, and there's some, there are unfilled jobs, that employers are saying they're unfilled jobs. So you know it's going to happen. The idea here, though, is this is the time where you want to be vigilant, right? When the U.S. is in recession or the economy slows, so does illegal immigration. It becomes less of a problem. It actually disappears as a problem, basically, and nobody thinks about it. It only becomes a problem when we have the economic conditions we have now. So there is no justification for it except the kind of a weird and I think misplaced and incorrect political calculus. And so I mean, I'm running, you know, every now and then you want to figure out what, 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 what are they thinking? What, what play are they playing? And I just this one I, I find baffling. There's no reason for it. It's a it's a vote loser for the Democrats in general. It is a vote getter for the border states in general. This is what the young people call a self-own. I'm not sure I don't understand the reason. Well, what am I missing? They think they're going to be future voters at, at, at some point is, is right. the conventional wisdom here. But uh, and they also think it's going to be a way to win over Hispanic voters. But if the Democrats have looked at the trend in Hispanic voters lately from 2020 and how much they trended towards Trump and other Republicans. And now on the generic ballot, I think it's uh, Republicans plus nine among Hispanics. Uh, The people who came here legally want nothing to do with this sort of policy. Yeah. And it doesn't seem it seems, again, like one of those things where I guess people are too old or they're not focusing on the truth. This is not new. This is not, I mean, these these are numbers that we've had. We've had them now for almost five years, six years, and the trend is really, really clear. Now, maybe okay, maybe on balance, if the Democrats decided that they weren't going to use the term "birthing person" anymore, and they weren't going to try to corrode the schools, and they weren't going to try to overregulate business, they weren't in, in other ways, in, in other words, weren't trying to be Democrats. Then maybe if this was the only issue on which they were identified, they may, in fact, be able to rebalance some of the Hispanic vote. But as long as they are so wacky on all these other things, Hispanic Americans are like, wow, yeah, we should have border security. But also, you know, maybe we should have a natural gas pipeline. And maybe we should, you know, maybe we should, like, have schools that just teach reading, writing, and arithmetic. Um, If this is a loser for the Democrats, I just don't understand. I don't understand except the fact that I feel like they don't realize how liberal they are. They don't really realize how out of step they are. So as far as they're concerned, this is like, you know, Republicans equals Democrats, except that Democrats like people who speak Spanish. And um, this just isn't flying anymore. Um, And I'm, I'm surprised that a, you know, an administration filled with professionals could make this kind of elemental error. But then, um, I guess I should be surprised every day with this president. (laughs) Maybe it's bad that Elon Musk is at Twitter because I think the Democrats take their cues from the ranting and raving on Twitter, which is not at all reflective of the larger swath of society, as uh, many Democratic presidential candidates in 2020 should be able to attest now. The uh, Kirsten Gillibrands and Beta O'Rourke's who tacked uh, as hard left as they could to appease the Twitter mob and then realized those aren't the people that actually turn out and vote. Uh, right. And so, uh, but, you know, if if, uh, if Musk uh, provides a more normal playing field for Twitter, maybe the Democrats will wise up, which in some ways would be good because then they wouldn't have such radical policies, but then they might actually start making a little more sense. Not a lot, but, but a little and might, might be a little harder for some voters to make up their minds. All right. But that would be good. I mean, that would be good for America. I mean, we, you know, America's better when both of the parties or both all politicians are at least um, somewhat connected to uh, 
a reality. It's not good to have one party spinning out of in, 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 in craziness. All right. Well, speaking of reality, let's move to our crazy martini now. And uh, wow. Kamala Harris, there were a lot of things we expected when she became the vice presidential nominee and then eventually vice president of the United States. Not being able to spit out a coherent sentence really wasn't one of them. We expected her to be tacking far left, uh, further left than, than Biden, who's tacking further left than uh, a lot of us expected. But uh, public event after public event, Rob, you're just left there scratching your head. So we got a couple of doozies for you today. First of all, here she is with Soledad O'Brien on BET. And they're talking about, I guess, the upcoming elections and uh, right. the best way to maybe forge a compromise to uh, make sure that we have elections that everybody can accept. And so one of the things that Soledad O'Brien says, you know, could one of the compromises be voter ID? Could that be part of a compromise? And listen to Harris try to explain why she can't get behind that. Is agreeing to voter ID one of those compromises that you'd support? I don't think that we should underestimate what that could mean. Because in some people's mind, that means, well, you're going to have to um, Xerox or, or, or photocopy your ID to send it in to prove you are who you are. Well, there are a whole lot of people, especially people who live in rural communities, who don't, there's no Kinko's, there's no Office Max near them. People have to understand that when we're talking about voter ID laws, be clear about who you have in mind and what would be required of them to prove who they are. Of course, people have to prove who they are, but not in a way that makes it, them, it almost impossible for them to prove who they are. OK, Rob, I believe that suggesting, as Democrats did in the past, that many minorities can't afford an ID is probably the most insulting argument against voter ID. But uh, rural people not being able to make a copy of it okay. is right up there. <laughs> I'd give her a million dollars. She could name one rural person. Who's the last rural person she met? I always hate talking about liberal media bias because it's so easy. And people who are on the right are always doing it. And it sounds like a cop out. But if this woman was a Republican, she would be a national 24-7 joke. The, the idea that Pete, now I'm old. So I remember Vice President Dan Quayle. Vice President Dan Quayle was lambasted for being a moron and being stupid and everything he said was dumb. Vice President Dan Quayle is actually a very smart person, very bright, very thoughtful and analytical, a little bit awkward on the stump, but that was it. Put it this way. He could do Wordle. <laughs> Kamala Harris would have trouble doing Wordle. Put it that way. But what I love about her is that she's, she's literally behaving as if she's in the HBO show Veep. People we used to say about her, you know, she's a really bad campaigner. Um, or you'd say that she's a bad campaigner. They go, hey, listen, she won two statewides in California. That's not, that's not bad. But they were really easy for her to win, and they clearly didn't challenge her at all, and they didn't make her any better or sharper. And this argument especially is so lame. You'd think that, look, voter ID stuff has been debated for years and years and years. You'd think she'd at least be able to turn on the boilerplate. Uh, for for why she's against it instead of trying to make it up on the spot, which is what she was trying to do. <laughs> and, but, you know, like it's hard even to contend with the argument. But I would just say that uh, that she, Kamala Harris and her ilk have no trouble demanding that I show my vaccine card everywhere I go. 
The idea that everyone's got to have a vaccine card seems to be completely normal. And there was no talk of whether I have an Epson printer in my my disposal, whether there's a, a Kinko's nearby. There's a UPS store everywhere, by the way, so anybody can get it copied. I would not worry about that. And by the way, cop they have copy machines at pub, in public libraries, a place that I think Kamala Harris has never been. Um, so all so not only is your argument wrong, but it's sort of terrifying to think. Look, we have to admit she is the because she's the vice president. She is the Democratic front runner to uh, come after Joe Biden, or maybe uh, God forbid, we now have to hope that Joe Biden hangs on because the 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 level of incompetence and kind of like almost like I don't know, it's like slovenly kind of laziness. Like she's talking to a friend anyway, so she's not even trying to make an argument. You know how it is when you're sit- sitting around with your friends and you're like, hey, let me tell you something. And, and you don't even bother to look, look up the facts. That's that's kind of how it sounds from her. <laughs> this kind of shambling. Uh, everything's cool. I'm fine. You know me, which is so inappropriate and infuriating. Um, but on the other hand, if you write jokes for a living, she is gold. If you're Greg Gutfeld, you're like, this is fantastic. This is like this is a good 30 minutes of content from me. And um so you have to be gra- you have to be grateful for some stuff. Well, this I don't know how much we're going to comment on this one, but since it's a Monday and you need one more laugh, here's uh, Kamala Harris talking about how the U.S. is going to help Jamaica uh, post pandemic. We also recognize, just as it has been in the United States for Jamaica, one of the issues that has been presented as an issue that is economic in the way of its impact has been the pandemic. So to that end, we are announcing today also that we will assist Jamaica in COVID recovery um, by assisting in terms of the recovery efforts in Jamaica that have been essential to, I believe, what is necessary to strengthen not only uh, the the issue of public health, but also the economy. So just to sum up, we're going to assist the recovery effort by assisting the recovery effort. I agree with every word she said. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember that Miss America contest or something? I forget what it was. And uh, the poor uh, young woman being asked a question about Iraq or something. And she kept saying, well, the Iraq, in the Iraq and the U.S. Americans. (laughs) And she just talked this weird word salad for like 30, 40 seconds. And it's just you can find it. You can Google it. It's it's a meme now. That, That is that's what she did. She just her brain left her and she just started talking. And I just find that really strange. It's like. She's the second, uh, the, the, really at the pinnacle of the, of United States politics, and she doesn't have the skill to 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 speak extemporaneously about something uh, without sounding like she's you know got a concussion. Like you know, I would, I would want to check her pupils, you know, at this point, and I find that just astonishing that she can't even revert to auto talk, boilerplate the way every professional politician can. Instead, she just like it's just meanders and goes crazy. And you get a sense that that this is the problem with the Democrats in general, is that they have it so good. They, they the press loves them, the culture supports them. They have all of the reins they need, and it's made them soft and stupid. And she is the example of that. She never ran. She never had a crucible. She never ran a tough race. She never re- faced a reporter who didn't like her. She never had to work for it. And it's not a surprise that she's no good at it because she never needed to be. And that is a, I, I, why are 
in the DNC, which I have to say, full disclosure, I am not, <laughs> I would be nervous about that. Why don't they have any Democrats who can really, wh- where is their next Bill Clinton? Bill Clinton would have answered that question. He would have knocked it out of the park. He at least would have given you a coherent sentence. I can I can tell you that much. But uh, Rob, yeah, it's like we said, it's the gift that keeps on giving. And so, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not complaining, by the way. <laughs> maybe we'll maybe we'll have another one when you're with us later in the week. So uh, we can cross our fingers and hope that's the case. But thanks very much for filling in today and uh, talk to you later. Next time. Rob Long, co-founder of Ricochet, uh, host of the Martini Shot podcast. And uh, he's also a contributing editor at National Review Online. Oh, and he's co-host of the Glop podcast. So busy, busy guy. Uh, always great to have him with us. Uh, Jim Garrity uh, is on vacation. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Uh, do subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch if you don't already. Uh, please tell a friend about us as well. We're very grateful for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Please keep those coming. Also, get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Follow us all on Twitter. Rob is at RCBL. Jim is at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Monday and join us again on Tuesday for the next Three Martini Lunch. Former Delta Force Commander Jerry Boykin joins us to discuss the left's Marxist assault on our nation. I'm Sarah Carter. On the latest Sarah Carter Show, General Boykin also addresses President Biden's string of gaffes on his trip to Europe. I'll also share some of my amazing trip to the border last week and react to the news that the border crisis is expected to get even worse. Follow the Sarah Carter Show at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.